Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. With me is Marco Sparks. Say hi, Marco. Hi. Hello, hi. Marco. Hmm. This is the Greedo Shot First podcast. Uh, it's our Star Wars podcast. We have our regular Time Trial Murder Mystery podcast, which you can find on the website of the same name. But this is our Star Wars one, uh, where we talk about Star Wars. How you doing, Marco? I'm doing good. And yourself? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Good, I got good. some uh, orange juice here with me. I have Blue Moon. Hmm. Did you put an orange in your Blue Moon? I didn't. You know that Blue Moon's owned by Coors. Is it really? Yeah, it's like they they needed like a, a craft relabel that they could sell stuff that like you know people won't just assume is horse piss. <laughs> well, I still like Blue Moon, so uh-huh. I'll put an orange okay. slice in it. Anyway, um, obviously it's uh, almost New Year's here. Not much going on in the world of entertainment news, or any news for that matter. Um, so we're still waiting. Might not, not even be next week, I don't know. Sometimes soon it feels like they have to announce a director, but we shall see. You would think, or you would think that at least that hopefully they would have somebody working, you know, they would have a pick. Well, you know, it's interesting, the uh, the movie we're, re- you know, recounting today, because we just watched it, The Empire Strikes Back. They didn't start filming that until like March of 1979. Uh, hmm. I mean, obviously they'd done the pre-production work, but you know, it premiered in 1980, so um, hmm. didn't take as much time back then, I guess. But the, of course, that yeah. was back when they you know built sets and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Empire Strikes Back, which possibly the greatest movie ever. This is my favorite movie. Um, so I don't know how critical. I'm really going to be. Um, I mostly I'm just going to be like I like this part of the movie and I like this part of the movie. Um, yeah. So there you have it's it. It's in my top three, certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say it's in my top five, but it's it's in my top three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, movie starts. Got an opening crawl. The Death Star has been destroyed. The Empire is hunting down the rebellion. Well, even the uh, the opening crawl of this movie is great. It's a dark time for the rebellion, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this movie is really like you know, this movie and Wrath of Khan, which you have not seen, are mm-hmm. like the templates for sequels. You know, uh, this is especially the template for for a trilogy. You know, second installment of a trilogy. I mean, I hate to fap 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 about like the Dark Knight because everyone talks about sequels, especially movies now, how they relate to the Dark Knight. But you know, it hits a lot of the same beats as Empire. A lot of the same beats. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of them lands on Hoff. Some like it, Hoff. How long were you waiting to say that? It's number three in my notes. Mm-hmm. I really like the just the design of the pro droid. It's like it's very... it's. It's recognizable even as a silhouette, you know? It's like you see it, you immediately know what it is. Like, all their design work is really iconic. Sinister little hands, yeah. Like, weird kind of, like, bulbous things on the head and the little antennas and whatnot. Yeah. Um, You know, I want to say, and I I could have done research into this, but I chose not to, that one of the uh, details about this movie is that when, like, Kirshner was hired, Irvin Kirshner, the director, he basically went and sat down with some storyboard artists and went through the entire script and like storyboarded everything. Um, yeah. Which, of course, they make storyboards for movies, but none quite in this fashion where they 
they really planned in detail every single shot beforehand. They knew exactly what they wanted. Um, and I, I think it shows because it, none of this really looks half ass. You know, it's not like you have like a shot where people are talking and it's, you know, they just kind of like blocked on the fly with like, you know, three camera set or anything like that. Yeah. Everything looks very deliberate. Um, mm-hmm. and very well designed. Even, I mean, there's some shots later on when Luke enters the corridor of lights. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a very like, like well put together shot, nice angle and everything. But even shots where it's just a bunch of characters talking, you know, it's, it's, it's maximized for ultimate economy. I mean, there's nothing, there's very little in this movie that's waste too. I mean, like the runtime of this movie alone, it's just a little bit over two hours. Like mm-hmm. I've seen so many fucking movies this year that are like, like two and a half hours or more. That is one thing that's kind of bothering me about movies this year. It's, movies are a little too long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie is tight. <laughs> um, so you start off with uh, Luke and his Tauntaun talking to Han. Uh, they're on Hoff. Well, you know, the I feel like this is the movie that really starts like defining the you know the Star Wars universe. We saw yeah. very little of it in in Episode Four. Uh, this is the movie where it, everything really feels like lived in. You yeah. Know? Well, not only is it, does the movie just look better i mean production design everything mm-hmm. it definitely looks more rich more lived in when they start um, the story di- is better it's darker and they really let the characters like dictate the actions yeah. more when know? they also start kind of defining the technology a little bit more um you know they're setting sensor like if you go read like the first timothy zahn novels it, it really feels like you just watch this movie over and over again to kind of like develop all the ideas about like how stuff works in star wars universe you know there's sensors um mm-hmm. you know the whole idea of like fixing the hyperdrive and all that you know yeah um, i mean there's a lot of like mechanical moments mm-hmm. yeah um and the new timothy zahn book which gets its title from this movie basically no scoundrels do you have that yeah uh, i, I do have that i guess i should get that i don't know i'm Let's saving it for uh, next week but yeah mm-hmm. but yeah luke on the tauntaun a lot of combination of like stop motion and uh, just like a uh, animatronic, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. He's talking to Han. They are obviously there's a camaraderie there that's more, you know, grown mm-hmm. than it was in New Hope because this takes place obviously a significant period of time after New Hope. I think it's New supposed Hope. to be three years. I could be wrong. I believe it's three It could years. be because the opening crawl would make you think that this is the first thing they've done since they they lost like Yavin but mm-hmm. you know Han has got some stories with Leia of things that have obviously happened since they yeah. were knighted whatever meddled at the end of New Hope so there's there's been some adventures here Han's, some camaraderie. Han spent three years just slowly chasing down Princess Leia there yeah wearing her down mm-hmm. uh, so then you get the Wampa attack yeah, which apparently was not intentionally to hide uh, Mark Hamill's like facial scarring, but it, it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was a car accident or like mm-hmm. Death Valley or whatever. Uh, so Han gets back to Echo Base. Um, got a great bit of Chewbacca and some goggles, like a laser spanner, doing some welding on yeah. the well, top. Yeah, that. that. Details like that at love. Like, first of all, this is just like a massive set they built, which. Uh, Man, I like who Michael Arndt. He should just be studying this movie over and over again. Uh, and yeah. then whoever they hire as a director, it's like this is huge set. There's like a whole Falcon, you know, that they 
can go stand on and whatnot. Like everything just feels totally real. It it I just don't think you can uh, accomplish the same vibe with like CGI backgrounds, you know. No. Where like no. you just have like a green screen and they put everything in later. Well, and you know, and and the thing is, I think a lot of times with CGI, you ultimately go for something more clean, you mm-hmm. know, or perfect. Yeah, yeah and, there's all this like smoke and stuff, and I mean, considering this is so like like thrown together, I mean, I just I I would be fascinated. This is so stupid, but I would be fascinated to see like an expanded universe novel where like the backstory or the <laughs> thing happening in the background was like, are they like welding? Are they like exploding out like caverns and stuff? You know, like yeah. building this whole base I and mean, that kind of stuff interests me. Even though I would never actually want to see it happen. Well, it's something about the lighting and how, like, in the background it's kind of diffused because there's, like, smoke and whatnot in the air. Uh, I just don't think CGI is good enough to do that yet. Not in these, like, interior shots. Um, You know, the stuff here is so much more realistic than every season of, like, the fucking flight deck stuff on, like, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, seriously. Um, So then we get Han and Leia, and they are sassy, and they are snappy, and they are so clearly in love with each other. I like how Han, like... He doesn't seem to actually have a rank within the rebellion. Um, no, everything's very loose. Yeah, he's not a yeah. general here. Like it's very loose. He just kind of shows up, and like he, like even within the rebellion, like it doesn't seem like there's that much authority. I mean, obviously, like certain guys answer to other people, but uh, Han just like strolls right into like the war room or whatever. There's other right. people just hanging around. Well, there's a general there, and there's a princess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Han's like ordering people around later on, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he's definitely ordering the flight deck, the flight officer around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So Han and Leia have a great little moment together, and he tries to get her to admit his feelings <laughs> for him. Which first of all, Han, lovable like rogue, you know, very charming, never ever descends into the creepitude that we got from Anakin. In the I feel like you uh, you just need like a warning label on this. It says this only works if you're Han Solo. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't try this if you're ladies at home. You um, can use a good kiss, yeah. Yeah. And she just assumed kiss a Wookiee. He's like, that can be arranged. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so you got Han, he's, who is a scoundrel, as she will later call him. Um, he is like a pirate, but at the same time, one point when they find out that Luke hasn't returned, somebody warns Han of the danger of going out in the cold to look for Luke, and Han replies that that is precisely why he has to go after Luke. And then you get one of my favorite Han Solo exchanges ever. The guy says, your Tauntaun will freeze before you reach your first marker. <laughs> then I'll see you in hell. Yeah, that's a, just a, one of the, you know, I'll see you in hell. That's been used, obviously, a lot in uh, movies and whatnot over the years. But I think that's one of the best uh, readings of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then we cut to the Wampa Cave. There's Luke upside down. He's still struggling with the Force as he tries to, you know, grab his lightsaber from afar. And uh, in the special edition, they edit in some shots of the Wampa eating. Like, I feel like everything with the special editions is like, is like, okay, Luke is here. What do you have? And then it's like, all right, you can do half of that. You know, like, yeah. it's like yeah. everything just needed to be scaled back a little bit. Yeah. Some of the special edition stuff in this doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. Well, they, some of the stuff is a little too much. They definitely touched empire the least because it was already the best movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some of it just feels like it almost feels like they did stuff just to say they did stuff so they could, yeah. you know, advertise it I and release it in theaters. Yeah, because the the Wampa stuff and the uh, the stuff later with Darth Vader going to shuttle, you don't need any of that. Like, it's kind of fluffy. 
it's not bad, but it's just kind of, you know. Yeah, there's only there's only real two notes I have about the special edition stuff, and they'll come later. One has to do with the Emperor. Um, oh, yeah, that shot. So, yeah, Luke's still struggling with the Force. He gets free. The Wampa gets his arm cut off. Well, this is the first time we've actually seen the Force used for levitation, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like telekinesis? Um, yeah, I think you're right. Because I don't, I don't think they could have dreamed of how to do that in 1977 yeah. or 1976. Um, so Han and Luke are out there. Leia maintains a vigil of concern over over them. Um, you got a great reaction shots from all the various characters as the shield doors close. Yeah, I mean, oh. Chewie seems like so much more of like a, a character in this, you know, especially because he never talks. Uh, he just yeah. like growls and whatnot. But like, yeah, he feels totally like another person that you could interact with you know i think the word that we're going to probably try not to use a lot when we talk about this movie is atmosphere mm-hmm. yeah oh my god everything atmosphere uh yeah that that i feel is what you miss if you you know build a bunch of tiny little sets with green screen around them like how do you get that kind of atmosphere you know well and and really the uh uh Kasdan and, and Kirshner, like their special effects in this movie mm-hmm. are the characters. Yeah. And well, the mean, actors who are capable of handling them. It's not to knock CGI. I mean, obviously, like space battles have gotten a lot better because of it. But like these interior mm-hmm. scenes and like their like cavernous hangar here with like ice everywhere, I like, I just don't think you can capture that same vibe with the CGI yeah. set, you know? Yeah. Although, although Lucas is still wise in the prequels to know that there are. Certain things in design elements, mm-hmm. not so much in action elements, but design elements that you want to take it so far, but not too far. Yeah. So you take it too far, that's when you lose it. Um, I like so, the shot where uh, it's like, I don't know, it's like a deck officer walking up to some other dude and he's like talking to him. And he's like, oh, keep your voice down, you know, because we don't want to yell about like yeah. uh, having to shut the doors. Like just the idea that you would include those guys and that. You know, I mean, those guys have like one or two lines each, but, you know, they're not played by like a weird floppy or alien or anything like that. You know, it's like, I don't know, very effective. There's some fantastic observational humor, like little things. And if you're just if you're just your eyes are feasting on the whole canvas of this film and everything that happens, you're in such, such a treat or in for such a treat, excuse me, um, especially. Uh, and I know you know what I'm talking about, the hologram and the asteroid field later. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Obi Wan's ghost appears to Luke after he's escaped the Wampa and instructs him to go see Yoda and Dagobah. Um, I absolutely love the that shot as the as ghost of Obi Wan fades away mm-hmm. to reveal Han coming through this the snowstorm on his Tauntaun. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Um, I was always completely fascinated by Han using the lightsaber, like always yes. in the uh, in the Star Wars books. Like I would always love it anytime Han got to use a lightsaber. Uh, it didn't happen all too often, but why doesn't everyone want one? Like, yeah, even if you don't know how to like use the force, why doesn't everyone want a lightsaber? Well, you know, but yeah, watching uh, this movie, I just really felt like, like if I'm Michael Arndt, I'm doing everything I possibly can to have as few Jedi as I can in the next Star Wars movie. Cause it's, it's like way better when there's just one or two, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it changes well, the, the whole dynamic of everything. It's it like, soldiers and and smugglers and whatnot like that's all way more fun than like you know a bunch of jedi just like deflecting laser bolts i think michael Arndt, you know obviously can't be unaware 
of of criticisms of the mm-hmm. prequels but yeah. hopefully he he understands what the real issues there were mm-hmm. and i think i think if michael Arndt has any real problems it's going to be the fact that he's a guy with too many options really yeah yeah um we get yeah, the, yeah, the absolutely speeders. great moment in cinema is when han uses luke's lightsaber to slice open that hot tauntaun and place luke inside to keep him warm with the uh i thought they smelled bad on the outside well and it's like you start to get this idea like okay like you know certain laws of nature are still going to apply we're, we're seeing characters like grapple with the elements and whatnot um you know you see like a hospital later something you never saw in any of the prequels you know yeah um, yeah everything just feels like absolutely real. Like you never question for a moment that like this universe is made up, you know? Well, it's kind of funny is, is the way the prequels fed off the original trilogy. Um, and there's certain moments where they didn't establish things that you would think they would want to. So that the, if you play it chronologically over the episode ordering, like the, the, the original movies would feed off the prequels. Mm-hmm. Like you never see Anakin get his robot hand. Yeah. In, yeah. in attack of the clones. He just has it. Like in that, this is the movie where you you see what that process is like. But um, they actually have Tauntaun sleeping bags now, which I think is funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, the morning comes. Uh, the patrols come and look for Han, Han and Luke. We get um, introduced to Hobby, uh, future major expanded universe character. He's so the one. What, he's the one who finds him. Yeah. Okay. I, I was going to say that's not Wedge, right? Because Wedge shows up later when the ATATs show up. But uh. What is the name of these little atmospheric vehicles that the Rebellion uses on Hoth? Is there snowspeeders? There's snowspeeders? Okay. I believe so. T-47, yeah. All right. Uh, so they pick them up. They take Luke and put him in a hot bath, and they fix up well, his he, car accident face as best possible. They introduce the idea. I mean, it's obviously they don't talk about it in the movie, but it was expanded on the book. Was, uh, he's in a Bacta tank, and Bacta is this, like, kind of cure-all medical substance. That it's like you, you mm-hmm. know... It heals you if you soak in it, you know. You know right there. Doing good. Um, so <laughs> another fantastic exchange from uh, uh, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn here. Uh, I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. This, laser brain. This whole scene, like, like this whole time I was watching the scene, I was just like watching. I'd like watch different characters and then rewind it and watch it again because they're all kind of doing stuff in it, like. Yeah. And it's it's like, you know, there are long takes here. Um, well, and they establish the fact that even though he has no real, like, human dialogue, Chewbacca is so very much a character with, yeah. with motivations and feelings and loyalties. And so, like, when, when Leia says that line, like, Chewbacca has kind of a funny reaction to which Han has to turn him and say, laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> you didn't see us alone in the South Passage. Yeah. Um, also, uh, 3PO, like, the the part where Leia, like, goes over and kisses Luke. 3PO, like, he's in the background, and he, like, kind of, like, scoots forward really quick to, like, look at the kiss, look at Han, look at the kiss, look at Han. (laughs) You stuck up. It's like, it's like he's, it's like, uh, 3PO's just like, uh, so what are you gonna do about that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 3PO, like, is really uh, a fan of the human condition amongst these people. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fantastic reaction from Luke after the kiss. (laughs) Yeah, you kissed your sister, Luke. But still, it's like the coolest like reaction like Luke's ever had. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, you know one so, thing. One mm. thing that kind of it's funny about these movies like people talk over each other a lot. They interrupt each other. I feel like that's not something you get as much like because you know they're probably doing all this ADR in modern 
yeah. cinema like it it makes a difference to uh really kind of let actors go at it you know well it's it's a it's also a carryover from the 70s i mean it yeah. was was a huge fan of letting people talk over each other which drove the studios nuts um so then you cut to the imperial starfleet get a nice mini version of the opening shot from new hope and you get to see for the first time the super star destroyer yes the massive uh, executor there the uh i feel like the uh the shield helicarrier's bridge is a direct descendant of the super star destroyer's bridge <laughs> well you know um there's like these shots it's like uh, Leia's like at like a terminal with like the General Riken like crowding mm-hmm. over and some other people watching like it just you know it's like you don't even need to show the screens or anything it just all looks very good you know like yeah I don't know they're not pushing one button that does everything yeah exactly uh, I almost feel like the rise of computers not just in the like literal depictions of computers in the movies but the fact that computers exist and like kind of databases exist like i almost feel like it takes away from the more mechanical aspect of star wars you know like yeah. you never saw anyone like welding or doing shit like that really in the prequels no no you didn't i mean like very tiny like various background things like but... everything is totally tactile in these movies like just little things like uh when lando goes up to uh rescue luke he like has a little uh belt like carabiner thing he like you know attaches what you know like a safety harness but i guess i guess the implication though is that not only was the republic like a a cleaner easier time but Mm -hmm. like um you didn't want for a lot it wasn't as hard yeah as it was during the quote-unquote dark times um i think you you could you could well just want to finish that point um i think you can make the point that you know modern life is much less tactile and mechanical than it was in the 70s anyway you know Yeah. yeah um but I don't know if they could recapture some of that. I enjoy it. Anyway, so uh, you get you get Vader talking of his people. Um, apparently, there's nobody that Vader answers to now but the Emperor. There's generals and there's admirals in the Imperial military structure. Presumably, the generals handle land assaults, and the admiralty is in well, charge yeah. of the ships, the, the fleet. The general's part of the army. Right, right, but but he's not like commanding a ship he's yeah commanding yeah. troops on the ground yeah, yeah. he's he's commanding the, an imperial army that you know the admiral and the captain there they command the ship that's why the yeah. general kind of like has a slightly aloof look when he's like reporting on the admiral later you know it's yeah like I've, it's not my fucking problem yeah i've i've got some interesting notes about uh, mm-hmm. general veers as we go on um so the the empire is coming the rebellion doesn't need to evacuate they're going to send out their people to try to hold off the march of the empire so that people can get out of there. Luke and Han have a serious, like, no words bro moment mm-hmm. where they march off into their respective destinies. Uh, you get the first Han- glimpse of Darth Vader's isolation pod. Yeah. Also, like, Han and Chewie, they're, like, working on the uh, Falcon, like, down to the last minute there. <laughs> I like how, uh, like, Han's talking to Luke and, like, this robot goes by and he, like, orders a robot to go do something, you know. And he's like, hold on a sec. <laughs> well, it's like, a, it's like a coat rack, too. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Vader's has that great line about Admiral. I can't remember his name. Uh, he's as clumsy as he is stupid. <laughs> so then he force chokes said Admiral over the video phone. To death. And hands yeah. Out a, yeah. Hands out a field promotion. <laughs> like, you know, every time you see a, uh, like a ranking of the 100 greatest villains of all time or something, Darth Vader's always number one. 
I feel like and he it's... didn't he didn't ascend to number one until this movie. No, it's 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 not at all in the first movie. It's just the, it's everything about this movie. The way he uh, goes through his uh his officer corps there, you know. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about that I think with his last moment in this film too. But mm-hmm. uh so Leia gives out a strange little pep talk and marching orders to the troops, which again, you don't really know what her what her ranking is in the power structure of the rebellion. It's but it it's effective though because Oh, you could have used somebody else for this, but if yeah, you use yeah. her for it, like it, it makes her feel much more a part of like the military structure of the rebellion, yeah. and and not just you know a princess who's like hanging around, you know. Well, and I think it's actually much more effective too that she's shorter than all yeah. these pilots, mm-hmm. you know, and they're they're not like looking down on her; they're looking down like to her for for command. Um, I was wondering, some of these pilots in the background appear to just be wearing these real like skull caps instead of helmets. Like, did yeah. they run out of helmets or, I don't know, I've always wondered about that. Yeah. They look like uh, old, like, football helmets, you know, from, like, the, like <laughs> 20s like, or something. like leather. Yeah. 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 Um, so the ion cannon seems to do some pretty serious damage to the Star Destroyers. Yes. Well, it's, now we have uh, an ion cannon as opposed to a laser. Ion cannons, like, yeah. disrupt electronics. Um, so Luke gets in the, uh, his ship of his, his gunner who says, right now I feel like I could take on the whole empire by myself, but this guy is clearly going to die. He has no idea how many times I like think that to myself when I'm doing various things. Yeah. But with like, don't, don't ever say it out loud. Cause yeah, it's like, I never, say, I never say it out loud, but I'm always like thinking that like, you know, if like I'm up nice and early and something like that, you know? Uh, so we're going to see the ATAT walkers, which stands for All Terrain Armored Transport. Um, Julian Glover, who plays General Maximilian Veers, I did my little research <laughs> on Wikipedia, um, who is apparently a big deal in the expanded universe, is Veers? the he has the perfect German douchebag villain face and voice. <laughs> in fact, yeah. he is a Bond villain. He was the villain nice. for your eyes only. You know, he he vaguely reminds me of uh, what was the movie we were watching. That had uh oh it was Homeland the uh the interrogator guy on Homeland do you remember that guy the one who's interrogating Saul the kind of stone face guy yeah I mean he's, not, not not in voice but not in voice face. but like just that like he's just like a classic like just military stooge type yeah, I mean, of guy you know I didn't you know to be honest with you, this is kind of sad I this is the first time in all the times I watched this movie that I realized that the guy that Vader was talking to three minutes earlier is this guy i always just assume this was an atat like okay you know walker captain Mm -hmm. um but then i read that his name is maximilian i love that (laughs) uh so wedge shows up um luke is definitely more more in command and more comfortable with his role uh, like leading the pilots here yeah especially because like he loses his dac pretty quickly because you know you gotta you gotta shut your mouth up and uh not jinx yourself like that, Dak. But um, <laughs> Luke is basically just like flying around, like uh, like cheering on and like leading other people, you know. Yeah. Um, like uh, so Wedge here, his gunner is Jansen. Jansen's the other like major, uh, you know, X-wing pilot that's expanded mm-hmm. on in the EU. So it's like, it's like oh, and there's Tycho who's in. Uh, you see him briefly in Return of the Jedi. Like those are the big four. It's like Wedge, Hobby, Jansen, and Tycho. Mm. Uh, so things aren't going great for the rebels on Hoff. Um, come back to the war room at the command center. So interesting shot, like quick shot of a dead white protocol droid. Yeah, yeah, because the command center had been hit. I uh, I don't think I I noticed 
all the times I'd watched this movie before, I had always noticed that there was a white protocol droid. This is the first time I think I noticed that it was dead or yeah. you know, deactivated. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I like how uh, you know they use their harpoons and tow cables to trip the walkers, thus inventing like the greatest like video game level ever. Um, but like, and then like all the uh, the guys like come out of the trench and start running. It's like that wasn't necessary. <laughs> you know, the speeders have this. You didn't need to run out to it just so you could then run away from the explosion. Yeah. Um, well, then, like, Luke has his classic takedown of the AT-AT with a grappling hook, a lightsaber, and a grenade. And it all feels, like, totally... Like, it's exactly what you would think you would do as your theoretical, like, young, like, venture self, you know? Like, yeah. you're like, yeah, you just, like, grapple up on one of those and throw a grenade in it. <laughs> this is one of the few moments that I remember from watching little bits of the commentary was that apparently for a long time, the intention was to have the, the walker just kind of hunch down on its legs, like back end first and then front mm-hmm. end and just kind of rest there like an animal would, like a lamb would sit down. Yeah. And then they just decided that having it fall sideways looked so much more cooler. Mm-hmm. Like it had clearly lost. Um, but just the AT-AT is like, what a fascinating look for for a, a vehicle. Oh, um, and I like how, you know, after Luke crashes, he's in really close and like you, you've seen these things move from far away. Now you see like a sense of scale up close and how giant those feet are you know yeah 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 i mean it doesn't seem like it's like the best i mean i, I can kind of see where the idea works well as opposed to some kind of rolling <laughs> vehicle but at the same time it kind of seems like it's it's just built to be clumsy but <laughs> whatever um so the interior imperial troops entered the base with vader uh they look like a little snow trooper armor which i love Oh, I love the, uh, it's like on the radio, the guy's like, Imperial Treats have entered the brace, Imperial Treats with, you know, <laughs> it just like cuts off like that. Yeah. Um, so they get in the Falcon, which will proceed to malfunction for the rest of the movie, which is wonderful. Um, Leia has, I mean, they're just quipping and they're just like throwing lines at each other the whole time. It's fantastic. It would like, help if I got it, out and push. Would help I got out and push. Yeah. Uh, it might. And then well, the they, moment where, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was yeah. just, we're, Vader walks down a hallway and sees the Falcon like take off. I love yeah. that. Well, you have the uh, the bit where Han like he he's like turning the systems on and they like shut off, so he has to bang on him to get him to come back on. Yeah, um, I wonder Luke if that. Watches. I wonder if that's like completely lost on like modern, you know, kids that grow up nowadays. Like they've never had to deal with electronics like that. You know. Yeah, the thing about uh, when Vader watches the Falcon take off, and especially in Vader's last moment in this movie, what I love is that. There is not a lot of option for facial expressions in this character, mm-hmm. obviously, because you don't see his face at all. But body language-wise, they still convey, you know, his, like, pensive disappointment in some of these sequences where he just kind of turns his head to the side and, like, looks down as if he's, like, thinking on what this, like, new development. Mm-hmm. They really, like, they do a lot with Vader considering how little they can do with him, I think. Yeah. Um, especially when he gets to the all-too-easy part later. Um well, you know, yeah, so then Luke watches them take off too. Sorry, I, I just want to briefly get into this. There was like a whole subplot they filmed with the three P. I don't know if you ever read about this, where it was oh, like, yeah. like Wampas were like invading their base through like some like hmm. caves or whatnot, and so like they had parts of the their snow base that were like bl- blocked off with like these like warning signs on the doors, like don't go in. There's Wampas trapped inside or something. Uh, <laughs> And one of the things that 3PO does when they're escaping is he, like, he stops and he runs back and he tears a sign off of one of the doors so that later, like, the chasing stormtroopers go in there and, like, get attacked. 
Mm. Uh, it's like this whole thing they filmed but never used. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, everything on Hoff is so like so breathtaking, so fast paced that I think you you almost forget that this is like the first forty minutes of the movie. I mean, they don't they don't construct movie or structure movies like this anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. now everything is obsessed with your perfect ten to twenty minute opening. And then the movie proceeds on from there. Like this movie has a whole like you know well, it's the opening big, sequence. It's like a whole first act almost. Well, the big battles all at the beginning, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You 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 rarely see that anymore, where you have a much more intimate action sequence later on in the film. Uh, so Luke and R two D two head to Dagobah, and the Imperial fleet is pursuing the chase the Millennium Falcon. I like how Luke he seemingly gets out like without any effort at all. You know, no. yeah. I guess the the Falcon took the wrong exit vector because yeah, they're being chased by ties and star destroyers. Um, this is where well, the, uh, the, the the X wing has just been like parked out in the snow, just yeah. so he doesn't have to worry about the hangar. Well, and this is where the uh, the score part is the the asteroid field track begins to play, which I think might be my favorite uh, like section of score from all the Star Wars movies. Yeah, it's good. Um, Han is so good with his piloting skills that he manages to practically drive three Star Destroyers yeah. into each other. Yeah, I love that scene. I love the the shot out the window of the one Star Destroyer as they're like looking right at the other one. You know? <laughs> oh, they decide to do evasive maneuvers a little too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, how did you, how did you miss that? <laughs> well, seemingly, if you're not... If you take basically what the movie offers you, face value, you're going to presume that there's no sensors. All they can do is track things by looking out the windows. <laughs> uh, another great Han moment of, oh yeah, watch this. <laughs> nothing happens. Watch what? Well, yeah, the, um, the bit where he's climbing around in the, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know, whatever mechanical, you know, hole pit, he's in. Yeah. Um, and he keeps on asking for different uh, tools until finally, Chewie just picks up the uh, like the whole tool case and brings it over it to him. Yeah. yeah. Well, anytime he's had a box of tools on a perch over a beloved character's yeah. head as he's crouched down to move a firefight, of course those tools are going to fall on his head. That was in a later blast. Something finished. Yeah. Yeah. So Han steers the Falcon to an asteroid field, which he's of course advised that that's insane, and he says, "Well, they'd be crazy to follow us, right?" And then just proceeds to have like a really awesome sequence with. You know, him dodging around, uh, man, how did they do this in 1980? Dodging yeah, around, really. like, asteroids, like, you know, and then, like, a TIE fighter will just, like, catch one, you know, right across the bow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, C-3PO tries to advise him on how unlikely their survival in the asteroid field is. Another great classic online of never tell me the odds. <laughs> yes. Which started a whole thing where, because Han is Karelian, and the books, it's like, Karelians have no use for the odds. You know? <laughs> fantastic yeah i like i I love that there's like a stripe on his pants so they have to make that a whole thing in the uh the books well that's what i was saying it really feels like this book this movie of all the the, you know the source material just they mine the hell out of it like there's so much stuff they take and like expand on because it's what always astounded me is that uh, like there are i guess books now for this new rebooted star trek continuity continuity Mm -hmm. i'm sorry um which would drive me nuts as a writer trying to write a book for that because you don't know what the hell you're doing until there's you know two points which make a line you know what i mean like after this like into darkness movie it'd be one thing to go write a star trek book but 
how the hell do you do that after just that first movie where they've completely rebooted their universe? Well, like, what you yeah, do is Empire. you go back, you go back to all the old plots and like figure out how you can rework them, you know. But I mean, so like Splinter of the Mind's Eye was originally concocted to be the low budget sequel <laughs> to A New Hope, should they not be able to afford Empire Strikes Back. Like, it got dumped, you know, because because it wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good, and and I mean, how was it going to be good? Like based on solely what you had in Star Wars, you know. Anyway, I really like um, these shots of uh, the Falcon zooming over the big asteroid with the ties following, and then he like he does the thing where he, you know he turns the, the Falcon on its side, or he yeah. turns it on its side to go through the uh, the ridge there. And the ties explode behind it, uh, yeah. and yeah, and then the little loop to uh, go down like. The Falcon's but, very graceful in this, the way it flies. Well, it's fascinating that it, it being so much bigger than the TIE Fighters, is still more maneuverable. Yeah. Well, or maybe it's just solely Han's piloting abilities. I think it's just Han's that awesome. Well, and, you yeah. know, again, in 1980, I don't know how the hell they did some of these shots. Like, they're yeah. pretty excellent. Yeah. Uh, so then they go into this hole slash cave in the asteroid, and Luke crash lands into the swamps of Dagobah. And then Archie falls in. Gets eaten by a monster and spit out, yeah. Everything's all um, gross and muddy. For such a like a darker movie, like there's some great comedy with R2 D2 in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Um so then you get the another glimpse of Vader's isolation pod, and the first glimpse of the fact there's a human head that looks either diseased or disgusting, kind of burnt. You so know, apparently one of the one of the reasons they did that is they wanted to make it clear that Darth Vader wasn't Detroit. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It makes sense. You could you could mm-hmm. understand why people would be confused from the first movie. And I like how uh, Admiral Piet there is just kind of like waiting outside, kind of creeped out by it. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to be. Yeah. The smartest thing Admiral Piet did ever ever did uh, was to not react when his uh, predecessor got force choked over the video phone next to him. <laughs> That's how he got the promotion. Uh, another great online of Chewie, take the professor here to the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. Um, well, so you have the uh, the bit where the you know the asteroid rocks and Leia falls into Han's arms and she's like let go and he's like no like he like he tells her to like be quiet for some reason like which is clearly just so he can cop more of a feel you know yeah. um, and he's just like don't get excited she's like, Captain Vinhel by using quite enough to get me excited sorry Leia their no whole time for anything else exchange mm-hmm. is fantastic and the fact that C three PO ruins it yeah. But yeah, Leia calls Han a scoundrel. Um, I believe this is also the "My hands are dirty." My hands my are hands dirty too. Yeah, that's a little later, but yeah. Yeah. Um, in my notes, because I just do it point by point, um, I have written Yoda shows up, and then the next five points are all just Yoda in all caps of exclamation <laughs> points. Well, it's a really clever thing. They have him play it really goofy to start off with. But he like he gets his little like shots in like the wars not make one great you know even yeah. as he's he's like playing the fool and then later when he like reveals himself it's like you you see like suddenly like how much Lucas failed already you know yeah um, well and, and like you said like there there's a lot of failings in the prequels um, and a lot of things are designed to leave you questioning like R two D two doesn't recognize Yoda um, but. As I'm watching this movie again, and I haven't really watched all of this movie in a while, much like I hadn't watched all of New Hope in so long, mm-hmm. um, 
I couldn't help but kind of like flash back to like the first time I watched this movie. Because I don't really remember the first time I watched New Hope. Even though I watched all three movies the same on the same day when I was a little kid, the first time I watched them. But I mean, you know, Empire really woke me up and had me glued to the TV that first time. And stuff with Yoda and, and the, then the reveal that Yoda is Yoda. It, I, just, I still remember that from a kid, just being so astounded by that. I really love uh, like Yoda gets in a little fight with R2 over the lamp. You know, R2's trying to pull it away. And like Yoda's like hitting R2 with a stick until R2 stops. And then Yoda gets one last little bang on R2. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, so then one of my, one of my absolute favorite moments of this movie is the, uh, Vader's having a little like a uh, hologram meeting with various, the, the uh, the commanding officers of the star destroyers. Mm-hmm. The asteroid hits the bridge of one of them. And you just watch that guy's hologram fizzle out. Well, you watch no him like he thing. looks over to the left and is like, ah, you know, like throws his hands up and he just like, you know, fades away, <laughs> which I want to <laughs> say that I want to say fades. that for the, for the longest time when you watch these movies, it was in four three uh, aspects, you know, so like you didn't see that guy for like a really long time, like oh, not until like it came out in widescreen. It was like, it, you know, you're watching it on your standard TV aspect ratio, and because Vader has to be in the shot, like you never get to, got to see that guy. Yeah, my my favorite anecdote. I don't remember where I first read this, but my favorite anecdote from the making of this movie, and I think I've told you this probably a hundred times, so I apologize, but. uh was at one point when they were in the production of the movie, Kirshner takes Lucas aside and he's asking him about some scene that he's not quite sure what to do with this scene. And, you know, Lucas, you know, obviously he knows, he knows these characters. And so he's kind of asking him for a little bit of background, like give me a little more of the universe so I can understand what I'm achieving this scene. Like what's this all about? What's the purpose here? And so Lucas is like, you want to know what it's what about? I'll show you what it's about. He like takes him aside and he whips out the blueprints for Skywalker <laughs> Ranch. And he says, this is what it's about. <laughs> Yeah, which I always think about that when I think about all the uh, the big deal about like the uh, the the blueprints for the Death Star in the like Attack of the Clones and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so you get to Vader communicates with the Emperor via hologram, special edition version. It's got Ian McDermott, not the old woman playing the Emperor. My only gripe with this is that I felt like they shouldn't have used the Emperor's makeup directly from Episode Three because. Yeah. He obviously looks much different in episode six. I figure like, like it should be more of kind of a bridge look. Well, I would say that he they, he needs to be less well lit and more of like the hood over, you know, like yeah. you shouldn't yeah. be able to see his face very well. It should be kind of shrouded in darkness. Um, and then they show... added in like two or three extra lines about, you know, Anakin Skywalker's offspring. And like, it's like, you don't need that. Like they should have just verbatim done the uh, the dialogue from the, the first scene. You didn't need to add anything there. Well, and they, they don't really show the old woman that clearly because her prosthetics were so grotesque and so strange that they didn't want to go into a whole lot of detail with that. Um, but, yeah, I just felt like, as I think Jedi is supposed to take place, what, like two years after Empire? Is that what, it's, is that what it is? Yeah, something like that. I mean, you would think that, that for the level of decay of the Emperor Jedi, like he wouldn't look exactly like he did at the end of Episode 3 in this yeah. or whatever. Um, so back to Dagobah. Yoda's got a pretty fancy pad on Dagobah for someone his size. He, making, uh, making gives up the, yeah. he gives up the act, reveals himself. He's kind of let himself go a little bit. He's walking around like it's a puppet. Um, <laughs> just like Obi-Wan had let himself go. Uh, nice little line. The, uh, my own counsel will I keep on who is to be trained, which they 
did the callback on in the prequels. And then uh, Obi Wan's just like chiming in. <laughs> from yeah, just chime. So like was voice I. Over chime. Yeah. yeah. Adventure, excitement, a Jedi craves not these things. Well, they really like they're taking like everything that you know about Luke, like his main attributes, you know, like and kind of like throwing them back in his face. You know, yeah. it's like you you crave adventure. Well, you know that's that's what's wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. You will be. <laughs> um, that was the line that they tried to like rip off in Two Towers, right? Yeah, it's like I'm not. Are you scared? Are you frightened? Not, scared not nearly yeah. frightened enough. Oh, God, no, it was in Fellowship, but was it? Okay, yeah, it's when they first meet Aragorn. Don't get me um, started. So, yeah, <laughs> time travel murder mystery, folks. You can hear us talk about Lord of the Rings. Um, you got the classic siege slash like waiting scenes on the Falcon and the asteroid. Um, well, you got the the bit with uh. 3PO tells Han what the computer told him, and he's like, well, of course we have to do that. And then he like kind of goes over and whispers to Chewie to you know, <laughs> replace the negative flower coupling. Um, so then they step outside the Falcon because uh, Leia saw the, it was, I believe it was Minoc is the name of it. Um, Minoc, yeah. Again, atmosphere, both metaphorically and literally. Well, you know, I'm totally fine with them just having these like breather masks on, you know, like. Yeah. That they didn't have to get in spacesuits or anything, even though they're on an asteroid. Yeah. Like, I'm cool with that. <laughs> well, I love that they've, they've been sitting on a panel the whole time. Like, the whole time that they've walked, like, in this movie, they've walked past it. They've been sitting on this panel. It's not mm-hmm. some ridiculous thing where they have to open up a shelf and, oh, the movie suddenly created this thing to explain this sequence. Like, it's, it's just right there the whole time. Um, so then they discover that they're inside a creature, which is pure classic pulp sci fi. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Just Especially the, when, when the, Han starts the, shooting the floor. Of the well, yeah, when they, like, he, Han figures it out and like shoots the floor and everything goes crazy. Um, when we cut over to the training sequence on Dagobah, which is bizarre, which is a lot of like climbing vines and swinging and running around with Yoda on his back. Um, ridiculous. The Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. Yeah, don't see that so much in the prequel. No, no. Yeah. Luke senses that the cave there is strong with the dark side. He asks what's in there, and Yoda tells him, matter-of-factly, only what you take with you. Yes, your weapons, so, you will not need them, but he takes them anyway. Takes them anyway. And then Vader shows up, and they have a slow-motion dream sequence fight, and the, Luke chops off Vader's head. The only slow-motion in all of Star Wars. Are you taking notes, Peter Jackson? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Great foreshadowing. It's Luke's face underneath Vader's helmet. Well, do you think at the time, like having only Star Wars A New Hope to like base your ideas of this whole franchise on, like that must have been totally like wild to like, like this movie must have seemed so dark, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's very different mm-hmm. um, tonally, uh, even with all the humor and stuff. But again, they established such wonderfully strong characters that they could well, just, just let them. It's just more mature. Speak. Like, it's more mature. Like, even yeah. guys like Yoda, it's like he's obviously, Yoda's obviously going to be friendly to kids because he's a Muppet, but he's not like, he's never too stupid and he's doing it all w- with intelligence and with purpose, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is really like the greatest kids movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, you cut over to the, the bridge of the Star Destroyer. I, I absolutely love this exchange where the one uh, officer, the uh, Imperial officer says, bounty hunters, we don't need their scum. And his subordinate just says, yes, sir. Well, you yeah. That's not Piet, is it? It might be the... Ad- ad- he's got the rank on. I think that is Piet. 
<laughs> which is weird that he'd just be like talking some shit with his uh you know underlings there yeah. <laughs> guys he outranks like you're not supposed to gripe down dude um yeah yeah i um, think that is admiral piet so you get fucking boba fett shows up new disintegrations yeah uh the Falcon uh, charges directly at the Star Destroyer because they have no hyperdrive. Um, I love it. I love it. The bemused shock amongst the Imperial officers. Mm-hmm. They're in attack position, huh? Yeah, and uh, poor Captain Nita there. He's like, prepare a shuttle. I shall apologize to Darth Vader personally. Yeah. <sighs> Not going to work out well for you, buddy. Um, on Dagobah, Luke stands upside down with Yoda sitting on his feet while trying to use the Force to lift some rocks. <laughs> okay. the, the training sequences in this movie, I feel like uh, they're almost like Jim Cotta-esque, almost. <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was watching that scene of him balancing upside down on one hand and trying to think of what it reminded me of, and I realized that they, they essentially kind of ripped off the pose for uh, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, it's yeah. like it's the scene where uh, I think he first does like the web-slinging. Uh, you know, Andrew Garfield's like bounced upside down on the the edge of a building, like with one hand and then one finger. Uh, yeah. So they get the classic Yoda line of "Do or do not." There is no try. And the the levitation of the X wing to show you like how awesome Yoda is, you know. Size matters not. Yeah. Always with you, it cannot be done. Um, Yoda has a very like poetic speech about the Force. I had started to like write down little snatches of it in my notes, and then I thought. The whole thing is just so, like, lovely. Like, you don't get this kind of grace, I don't think, about the Force anywhere in the prequels. You don't... He kind of repeats some of the, the stuff Obi-Wan said in the previous movie, but... Mm-hmm. Like, Yoda, like... we are. Yeah, like, Yoda really charms the idea of the Force and how it, how you can use it and how it affects you um, while effortlessly lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp. And, he, and, and Luke walks over, sees it, and says, I don't believe it. And Yoda simply says, well, that's why you fail. <laughs> that is why you fail. Yeah, uh, I really like the music in this. The the Yoda theme is really nice. I like I as good as the initial Star Wars and New Hope soundtrack is. I really feel like John Williams just like completely tops himself like front to back with uh, the yeah. score to this. I think this is well, his again, best work. There's 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 more depth. I think in the the stuff of the soundtrack here, he takes it. It's not quite the same huge silly space opera that a new hope soundtrack is um mm-hmm. really gets into more themes of the characters that speak to you uh so then you cut to the dead body of captain nita and an apology accepted captain nita because well, you cut to him failure just collapsing in the you yeah. know yeah <laughs> and then like how uh, vader you just kind of kind of like points and nods to like a couple uh like you know like crewmen or whatever and they just run forward and drag the body away <laughs> yeah. apology accepted <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the Falcon is just chilling on the side of the Star-, Star Destroyer, planning to float away with the rest of the Imperial trash. Really, like, uh, like after Chewie goes back to like stand by the release, three PO is just bitching off, and like Han just kind of like he turns around and he just like raises his hand with like this very knowing expression, and Leia's just like, "All right," and she reaches over and turns three PO off. Yeah, yeah. Uh so the first time you get mention of Lando. Lando system. Lando's not a system. He's a man. He's a card player too, apparently. Scoundrel. You'd uh, like him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Star Destroyers apparently have some big ass trash too. <laughs> I assume that that's what they're like compacting all the time. They just compact it into a big 
blob of whatever. Yeah, and, you, you, yeah. it's it's a good inference because that was a kind of ridiculous scene I thought in the in New Hope. I mean, like when you get down to like the actual like engineering of it, like what the well, hell are like, they? Where are they so getting huge. all that shit from? You know, and yeah. shouldn't they be recycling it? Well, you know. This is I mean, just like, are, are massive parts of the ship constantly breaking down? Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Han's plan gets a elicits a kiss from Leia, and then Boba Fett follows them. Oh, I like. Uh, can you trust them? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of that too. I don't trust them either, but he is my friend. Yeah, he is my friend. Uh, again, back on Dagobah, Luke is upside down, lifting shit up, including R two D two. And then he has then, this vision of yeah. Han and Leia and City in the Clouds. The future is always in motion, Yoda says. I really love the design of uh, everything about Cloud City, like the weird little like cloud car things with like yeah. the two pods. Like those are just cool. I'm trying to remember. I, I didn't want to like, put it back on and watch it, double check, but isn't the design of those little cloud car things, isn't that very similar to um, Dooku's? Uh, entourage of the end of Attack of Clones? Kind of. I mean, if you like, were to split them apart, yeah, they'd, they'd probably look fairly okay. similar. Um, so I love that they land. You know, like Han's trying to reassure Leia that everything's going to be well, fine. They, they get shot she at. She roars. Well, yeah. Well, when they actually land on the landing mm-hmm. pad, she re-roars and Han says, well, that was a long time ago. I'm sure he's, he's forgotten, forgotten about, about that. <laughs> well, and then he does the thing where he kind of like, he leans over and he's like, keep your eyes open. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the shot of the Millennium Falcon actually landing on the landing pad, though, is that a special edition edition? Yes. Okay. Although you may notice that this is all this Bespin stuff is probably the best they did, I would say, as far as the special editions go. Yeah. Uh, it looks the most. And shit. It looks the most seamless. You know. Yeah. Lots. Well, the the window when they're doing a little like they're establishing shot of Cloud City at one point, mm-hmm. and they they've thrown in a window of Leia that looked a little silly to me, but um. Then you get Billy D. Williams with the greatest opening line for a character in these movies. You slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. You've got a lot of guts coming after what you pulled. <laughs> well, like, it's like you instantly, like, you have this whole vibe of, like, who Londo is as a person, you know? Yeah. He like, wears a cape. He wears a cape. He's a, he's another scoundrel like Han, but seeming a little more respectable, you know? Yeah. Well, he's bought that respect. Because yeah. he swindled Cloud City out of somebody. Yeah. He used to own the Falcon. Well, to me, it's like... a lot of scrapes. Well, it's like, what, what's more interesting? Like, these characters are a bunch of fucking monks. You know? Like, that's why you don't want too many Jedi on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that was the thing, too, is all the characters who weren't Jedi in the prequels were either senators or they were, like, real, real scummy dirtbags. Like, yeah. Watto. You know? Mm-hmm. Um... Anyway, so back in Cloud City, you got the bald guy with that computer shit on his head. Lobot. I like how, uh, you know, Londo meets uh, Leia, and, you know, such a charmer. Um, and then uh, 3PO back there introduces himself, and Londo's just like, whatever, fuck off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, Londo is very smooth shit. Um, so, excuse me, Leia's outfit in this movie is is what Padme's outfit in Attack of the Clones is clearly referencing, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... So C-3PO discovers somebody and they blast him to pieces. Presumably it's <laughs> literally, literally pieces. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, Luke readies himself to leave Dagobah to go after his friends. Obi-Wan's force ghost shows up to convince Luke to stay and convince you, convince you his training, but to no avail. 
Luke yeah. leaves. The uh, Force Ghost of Obi Wan and Yoda watch him go, and the boy is our last hope. No, and there is there another. Is another. And supposedly, yeah. originally, the other was not going to be Leia. It was going to be somebody else, but they changed their minds eventually. Yeah. Well, for a while, Which... there was going to be like a third Skywalker out there. Right. That, that was like the plan for seven, eight, nine. Originally, was there was another other Skywalker. Yeah. Well, they kind of set up Leia nicely with the fact that, that Luke can talk to her, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of this movie through this head, through his thoughts. Uh, so Luke heads to Bespin to save his friends. Meanwhile, on Bespin, C-3PO is missing. Chewie is looking for him. Well, you know, the, the shot that you didn't like with Leia in the window, uh, mm-hmm. a less good version of that shot is in the original. Like, there's still the scene at the window and her walking inside. It just didn't look Oh, is it good. okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, so they find C-3PO. Uh, they're kind of, you know, commiserating the fact that something is clearly amiss mm-hmm. here in Cloud City. And, uh, I love that Lando shows up and wants them to come have a refreshment with him. Mm-hmm. He looks over at the <laughs> the pile of C-3PO <laughs> and just says, having trouble with your droids? And Han's just like, no. <laughs> uh, so he's walking them to the refreshment. Tells well, be- them he's before, just we, deal. Yeah. before we get there, um, the scene where Chewie's like, I don't know, down in like the junk room or whatever, fighting with the Ugnaughts over parts of 3PO. In the background, there's a droid who's like kind of like dusty and seemingly dead. Um, that's IG-88, one of the bounty hunters. It's like that's oh, that's that's where he okay. ended up. Yeah. There's a you know obviously there's a whole expanded thing in EU where you find out how that happens. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just made a deal. You know, should keep the Empire out of here forever. Opens the door. There's Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh God. When I was a child, the first time I watched this, I had some kind of little kid version of a hard on. When Darth Vader like rises up from the head of that table, I I still like remember that the way this scene <laughs> ends up so vividly. Like Chewie roars, Han instantly whips out the blaster, starts shooting. Like it doesn't even he doesn't even use the force. Darth Vader just blocks the shots of his hand, <laughs> and then of his well, other you know, hand, he lifts it up and 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 takes like Han's laser from him or laser blaster from him. Yeah, you know, in the EU, like, I also felt like the the writers didn't know exactly what to do with this scene, like, because they, they did a whole thing where this is like a force power that you can absorb energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Like, one of the characters, it's like, he like he can never master telekinesis, but he can do that really well. He can absorb energy, like, block bolts, you know, block blasts with his hands. But I feel like mm-hmm. that may not have been the intention. It may just be that, like, he has a metal hand so he can do that, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I always took from it as a kid, yeah. Um. and then his line is just so simple we would be honored if you joined us and then Boba Fett shows up they arrived right before you did I had no choice yeah obviously in this scene Billy D is Catwoman Han Mm -hmm. is Batman Darth Mm -hmm. Vader is Bane you've made a very foolish decision (laughs) not as foolish as yours peace has cost you your strength victory has defeated you (laughs) they they torture Han for info, but they don't even torture him for info because they never ask him a single question. And the torture get, chair looks fucking ominous. Yeah. Om- ominous. Yeah. You get a nice kind of bonding between like uh, 3PO and uh, Chewie here as Chewie starts yeah. to fix him. Yeah. Well, and so they, they bring back uh, Han after after his things. Harrison Ford's delivery of I feel terrible <laughs> yeah. is so excellent. They're, in the prequels, it's clearly Ewan McGregor that is carrying those movies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but in in the original trilogy, it's Harrison Ford. Yeah. Well, I just want to point out this scene with Chewie and three uh, PO. Chewie is communicating only. I mean, he kind of has facial expressions, but not totally. But mostly yeah. just through his like growls and and like you know movements. And three PO is obviously like just a voice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, th- like, and how much do you completely buy and are invested in those characters, you know? But you are though. You yeah. Know? That's the I, thing about it's what makes it the, the, what they're the work they're doing is so good that you are invested in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyways, um, at that moment, you know, they never ask me any questions. The guy that walks in of Lando in that scene, the like security officer, mm-hmm. I had that action figure. Oh, the uh, the black security guard. The I had I had so many of the like lame Star mm-hmm. Wars action figures like. Yes, I had, had that mine. guy. I had that guy. I had the like the Rancor guy. <laughs> that guy. I feel Jedi. like I I you know I can't remember if I still have mine. I have like a shoebox, or at least I had with a bunch of Star Wars action figures. Not the originals, but like you know the '90s ones. Um, yeah, the '90s ones. Like the, the, when I was a kid, like I never had like Darth Vader or Luke. You know, I never had any of the real <laughs> characters. I always had the real. <laughs> had like Tie Fighter ones. pilot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I have, or like at at Gunner, yeah. The guy that like does the switch that fires the Death Stars like, like yeah, that cannon. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I should look for those. I wonder if I still have those. Because yeah, I had some bizarre ones too. Uh, so they decide to test out the carbon freeze that they're going to use on Han as Luke arrives at Cloud City. I love that Boba Fett complains that he's no use to him dead. And, and Darth Vader's just like, yeah, Pyro compensate you. Yeah. Well, and you get the great scene where, like, Chewie starts busting heads, and uh, Boba Fett's going to shoot Chewie, and uh, Vader stops him. I also found that interesting. And then you could say, of course, oh, it's because he recognizes 3PO, and he doesn't want 3PO to be hurt because he made him, you know? Yeah, maybe. But maybe. But I, I just, I like the idea that, like, Darth Vader, you, you see, he's not completely pure evil, you know? No, like, no. It's like he's almost willing to let Chewie rage a little because he, like, you know, he understands. He's just gonna, like, you know, get it out of your system. Well, he does understand because all of his dealings with Billy D. Williams shows that. I mm-hmm. think that's what makes him such a good villain in those particular exchanges is because he knows exactly where Billy D. Williams is coming from, and that's how he can make his life even worse. I am altering you know, the uh, deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it further. Yeah, I mean, it, that's what makes him so perfect. Um, and then, of course, you have the greatest romance moment in any film ever. Yeah, which apparently the the line was, I love you too, but it just yeah. wasn't working. And so uh, Harrison Ford came up with, I know. I feel like Harrison Ford is, is like, the, his improvisational skills, like, I don't think people would give him nearly enough credit. You know, again, the uh, the sequence in Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, seriously. That's one of the funniest things, uh, scenes of all time is the, uh, the gun against the sword in, in Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. Yeah. Especially um, because of the expression on his face, not to go into a tangent, but the look on Harrison Ford's face after he shoots the, uh, samurai, uh, or not samurai, but scimitar wielding guy. Uh, yeah. funniest thing you've ever seen. Um, God, well, I love just that. in channeling the fact that the, he has like a stomach flu. It's <laughs> just that. like, he just has this kind of like, kind of disgusted look on his face like god uh so we get to see han frozen well the, this whole sequence is so just crazy and you know like 
dark it's like there's all this smoke and they're the angles they choose to show like a vader's face like looking down you know yeah. and yeah everything about this scene is awesome it's 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 almost kind of like a like a horror movie yeah second yeah. there and three you can't see, see what's going on and then he turns around oh he should be perfectly fine if he survived the freezing yeah mm-hmm. when you actually see han frozen that block of carbonite it's actually somewhat grotesque because like the look of agony in his face mm-hmm. uh, but he's alive he's in perfect carbonation uh vader's plans take the princess and the wookie with him again i am altering the deal pray i don't alter it further um on well, the way they uh i'm oh, sorry just the way they tip over the uh the carbonite thing and it just like pow you know like totally slams yeah. on the ground you know, yeah. it's, it's like brutal it's like hey that's on slow he's been he's been carrying the whole movie here yeah yeah and the movie it doesn't it doesn't die because harrison ford existed that's the important mm-hmm. thing too because he's still there almost he's almost there like alec guinness like haunting the movie um mm-hmm. so when I was a kid, I remember watching this movie the first time, and I really was fascinated by those moments where you have Luke at first kind of exploring this seemingly empty cloud city. Yeah, they're like kind of guiding him there by opening some doors and not others. I loved that. That, that was so cool. Um, and then he finally sees Boba Fett taking off with uh, Frozen Han. Well, the a little firefight. The bit where he just he kind of sees Han go by, he doesn't know it's him, obviously. You know, but he sees this like floating mm-hmm. carbonite thing go by. And then I like this shot where uh, it's like Londo keeps on looking over to like kind of get a glimpse, and he finally sees Luke. You know, like yeah. I, I always like that, like showing another character reacting to you know the legend of Luke Skywalker here. Well, because he's he's all he knows that's what the Empire is after. Some guy mm-hmm. named Skywalker. Yeah, uh, Luke, don't! It's a trap. <laughs> As Obi Wan said in Episode Three, the only way to deal with a trap is to spring it. Um, and then Luke encounters Darth Vader, which is Jesus Christ. It's just like larger than life. I love just the way they turn their lightsabers on. Like Luke kind of like turns it on and like brings it up. Whereas like it's almost like Darth Vader's lightsaber like turns on in slow motion just to be cooler. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's yeah. kind of like it just suddenly just like appears, you know? Well, it's like it's but the from the excellent design of Darth Vader, he just kind of as a silhouette, he just kind of melts up from the mm-hmm. dark background of that room. Um, the force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. Well, man, all the lighting in this, there's like steam and smoke everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, like a Darth Vader's piss glow. Yeah. Vader's pretty much just like this pure black silhouette, but like, uh, the steam is all kind of like blue, you know, like, I mean, it's pr- awesome cinematography. You know, they, they kind of, nowadays people kind of like, they, they've realized that orange and blue are like a common cinematic trope. Uh, and they like to point it out, but like I feel like this is one of the original, really good versions of that color scheme. Yeah. Uh, so, Londa rescues our heroes from the stormtroopers, thanks to some of his security personnel and his fancy watch. Um, some of his Chewie security people have equally sleazy mustaches. <laughs> I like how Chewie just starts choking him out immediately, and like it's just like go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see how this plays out. Um, the thing that fascinated me when I was rewatching this tonight was that, uh, so Boba Fett takes Solo aboard the Slave One, refers to him as Captain Solo. It's like oddly honorific. Yeah. Because presumably he's been hunting him for like three years. It's Captain Solo. Yeah. Like, the droids are reunited. Captain of their own ship. Yeah. Boba Fett takes off. Uh, 
the excellent moment where, where Luke tips back into the, the pit there. And Vader just says, all too easy, and uses the force to like flip the switch. Mm-hmm. Love that. And then Luke does this little like magic uh, jumping thing out of it. Impressive. Yeah. Most impressive. Yeah. Release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. Some of the stuff in this really blew my mind as a kid. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you just don't understand, but some of the stuff about uh, uh, only you can destroy the Emperor, he has foreseen this, all that mm-hmm. stuff, it just seemed to me like especially sick. <laughs> you know, like if I ran up to you with a gun and I said, shoot me, shoot me, it'd be great. You know, like it would freak you out more if I pointed a gun at you, I think. Um, they had the whole fight next to uh, like the window to the chasm where like yeah. Vader just starts playing dirty, like force throwing things at Luke while they fight. Well, Luke is pretty terrible at deflecting those large objects. Yeah. Well, because how yeah. do you deflect them? You know, like he yeah. chops one in half and it still hits him. Yeah. Uh, but the more thing is that you get like your first real proper lightsaber fight after New Hope, you know? Yeah. yeah. The legend of what a lightsaber can do, I think, really is born here. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that, when he's like flinging that stuff, like Luke enters that strange corridor of lights, which I always loved. Um, and I especially love this the weird industrial design of Cloud City. It's almost like it's like taking cues from like mid-century, like, you know, like German design or something i like the bit where like uh, there's just like a little terminal that londo types into you to like get a remote like a uh, microphone to talk to the city yeah and tells yeah. him all to evacuate yeah. um it's like you you get the idea that you know that yeah there's a whole city happening here in the midst of this like firefight you know well to me rewatching this which real quick i want to go back and say that so luke gets sucked down to that vacuum mm-hmm. of, of the little chasm there and Vader just effortlessly grabs like a column to like steady himself. Like he's just, <laughs> I don't know, so aware of the physics and he knows how his like robot body works now. Um, but yeah, so Lando gets on that intercom and, and he, you know, it almost to me like he could have been saying, attention everyone, the Empire's taken over. And you know what that means? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like almost like everyone in Cloud City is like some kind of refugee of a shady lifestyle too. You know, yeah, like yeah. they're all avoiding the Empire. You get the bit where R2 like uh, puts his socket into an electrical thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Leia's pretty great for lightsaber. Or for uh, blaster, I mean. Yeah, she kills a lot of dudes in this sequence. Yeah, yeah, she's very violent. Uh, the lightsaber duel rages on, and there's just like sparks everywhere at one point. Oh, before that, though, R2 does the thing where um, he uses like his uh, fire extinguisher to like lay down a smoke screen to get away. Yeah. I was like that. <laughs> R2 is very resourceful. <laughs> Whoever designed astromech droids, good for you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, then the the fight, first it's inside this little chasm here where, man, the first few times I watched that, that all scared the shit out of me. And like Luke's like walking and walking and suddenly like, you know, yeah, there's Vader. Yeah. Well, because he, he stops and pauses and stares past us at something that worries him. And then Vader comes into the frame and it's mm-hmm. it's so much more scary. To see Luke get scared before we actually see what scares him. Um, when they get out on the bridge above the chasm, Vader is making some great noises, like some great ooh, yeah. you know, noises <laughs> in that duel. Yeah, Luke gets in a little shot on his shoulder there. I love yeah. the way they're like they're kind of like slamming their their lightsabers down on the rails on the sides, and there's all these sparks flying everywhere. 
It yeah. just feels like a it feels like a sword fight where those things weigh something, I guess. Is yeah, uh yeah. like there's like a weight to the the saber blows, which feels I don't know, more substantial than just twirling around, you know. Well like they're proper sabers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh so Lucas's hand chopped off. Yeah. I also love that scene where first he uh he like cuts off the weird like you know, beams in front of him. He like slices through these like three like metal, you know, I don't even know what those are, you know, weather veins or whatever. And then like that kind of like throws Luke off, kind of does the thing where he kind of flips Luke's sword around and then cuts his hand off, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean like just the first time we watch this movie, it's this movie just progressively escalates. Well, it's like they, they already froze Han and carbonite. And now you just cut off Luke's hand. You know? Yeah. 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 The ending is very dark. Uh, there is no the escape. Empire. Yeah. Yeah, there is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. Um, I am your father. Well, it's, you know, classic line, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. And then everyone misquotes this, like, Luke, I am your father. Like, he never yeah, says he never that. Says he says, Luke. no, yeah. I am your father. Yeah. Apparently on the set, he says, uh, David Prowse was told Obi-Wan. to say, Obi-Wan killed your father. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, search your feelings. You know it to be true. Again, that's, that's what the Sith deal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Luke handles this revelation very well. <laughs> By which to say poorly. Yeah. <laughs> no. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Like Darth Vader, he just really wants to bro down with like somebody, anybody else, but nobody yeah. will. You know. Well, that's isn't that the way of the Sith entirely though? Like once you yeah. become somebody's apprentice, don't you spend your entire time like? planning to destroy them and take on your own apprentice like he really wanted padme to to you know do that with him she wasn't game now he yeah. tries to get his son to hook up but you know it's, can't find anyone to help him out he just wants to overthrow yeah, well, the emperor as i understand it in the expanding universe there's a lot of attempts to for him to find somebody who will join his side yeah i mean oh god it's like obviously because this kind of era of star wars is the most popular because it's everybody's mm-hmm. favorite part of the star wars universe you know is the original trilogy they've gone in and like shoehorned so many little stories and plot lines into it you know the books the video games the comics seemingly darth vader has like a dozen different uh you know possible apprentices apprentices yeah so luke elects to sacrifice himself rather than to give into the vader and the darth side in the original uh, special editions they had him screaming like no as he fell um, but then yeah. they edited it back out because they decided it was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so Lucas yeah. does pay attention every once in a while. Yeah. And I, I had to watch, I didn't have to watch, I did watch a like 12 minute YouTube video where some guy ranted about that forever. <laughs> Roy, forever being 12 minutes, but mm-hmm. he just kept going on and on about like this was the most grievous error of these special editions. I like um, how Luke falls down all those tunnels and suddenly he's just like hanging by a weather vane above uh uh bespin i don't know bespin's a planet i guess right yeah the bespin's a planet cloud city hovers above it Mm -hmm. but uh uh classic moment too of star wars like uh predicament logic that they do Mm kind of take on in the prequels there's a point where he gets to the midpoint of the one shaft and he kind of stops he's like oh and the the door opens beneath him yeah he has to hang like the weather vane with like he's just had his hand cut off so he only has one hand now (laughs) Yeah. Which just made his situation seem even more perilous to me. Well, it's like, how's he going to get out of this? Oh, he's going to call to Leia in the Force. 
Yeah, he calls the Ben first. No answer. Um, then he cries out for Leia, who hears him. And they rescue him, and the Falcon leaves Bespin's orbit as Vader gets back to his Star Destroyer. Yeah, is meanwhile, the, there's that, yeah. Is this thing of his shuttle, is that from the special editions? That's special that? editions, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hyperdrive still doesn't work, but thank goodness R2 is there to fix it. They told me they fixed it. It's not my fault. Yeah, you, yeah. you really get the mirror of uh, Han and Londo there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes you kind of think, like... Uh, uh, is 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 the captain of the Millennium Falcon gonna like to have to take on certain attributes regardless of whoever it is? Yeah. Well, I like how in um, the in the middle of all this fighting, R two has been like welding uh three PO back together, but then he has to yeah. stop to go fix the hyperdrive. But R two and T three PO complains about it, you know, mm-hmm. as he's hopping on one leg. Um, so Luke and Vader talk to each other, long distance call to the Force. Uh, but Luke is not quite ready to hear what his father has to say. And um, then, uh, then you know, they get away just when they're about to become within uh, tractor beam range. Invader just kind of like stares at it, and you see like Cap- or Admiral Piet there is just he's thinking to himself like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> you know? Yeah, like Vader, he turns his head to the side, he like looks down for a second, lifts his head up, and then just marches off. Yeah, and, like Piet knows that his his life is over. <laughs> well, no, he lives. Does he? Okay. Yeah, he's he's the captain admiral in the next movie. Like, oh, okay. I feel like this was uh, Vader like deciding that like he's to blame for this one. You know, like he could force choke uh, Admiral Piet out right now, but instead he like he's taking stock of the situation and just kind of like marches away, and everyone's just yeah. like, "Oh shit!" But yeah, Piet comes back. He's in the next one. He gets killed okay. by uh, the A wing that flies into the bridge of the Executor. Oh, excellent. Um. So then we get to the Falcon, which is now docked at like a rebel like convoy fleet. It's like a really um, cool looking ship. Yeah, it's huge too. Yeah, like it's kind of huge to the point where like you can't envision that going to hyperspeed, or hyperspace. Um, so Lon doesn't take the Falcon out and find Han and that bounty hunter, <laughs> and they plan to rendezvous on Tatooine in the sequel. Yeah, and he sees Billy D's. Let's see, isn't Billy D kind of dressed up like Han in that sequence too? Yeah, yeah, he has a. I think he has a vest on. Is a vest on like a white shirt, like more of a collar than Hans, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's basically he has like a vest and a kind of similar shirt. Like he definitely looks a lot like Han there. You know? Yeah. Um, Luke gets his new human-looking robot hand, and I love it. They they have the thing open to show the circuits while they test, like they poke at the hand and make sure he can feel well, things. It- and you see the way that the different kind of little pistons move as he flexes his As hand, the fingers move? Yeah, which just yeah. immediately, it's like, that looks totally legit, you know? It's like, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, and again, it's like they really get into the engineering of that, which they didn't do of Anakin's hand, which I mm-hmm. thought, like, I don't know. And um, Anakin's hand is just like this ugly droid hand, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, yeah, like, like, like prosthetics got better during the dark <laughs> times? That seems odd. Um... You've got that great shot of Luke Leia and the droids staring out the window at the distant galaxy as the Falcon zooms away. Mm-hmm. Well, the Falcon, just, and the just combat that, keeps on sailing by. Having that, you know, nebular galaxy or whatever it is, like the, the idea of like these kind of bodies in space, you know, um, yeah. everything was just like pure space in, in A New Hope. But now it's like you're getting more into like the sci-fi, you know, space travel aspect of it, you know, where there's there's asteroids and there's you know, nebula and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah. Everyone's Directed everyone's by... at their worst 
and end of the movie. Proper like cliffhanger. Um, I mean, the, the movie ends because the movie is really, literally, like the whole driving force of the movie is literally just to get away from the Empire. Yeah. So for the individual plot of this movie, they do get away from the Empire, but they have so many nice threads to pick up in the next movie. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, Jesus Christ, like it's like textbook for, you know, every category it fills mm-hmm. of just being a movie, of being a sequel, you know, everything. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Michael Arndt, I'm just studying this movie and really only this movie over and over again, you know. Like just, well, I would say New Hope too. New Hope too. New- but just the the way they introduce all the kind of uh world building elements like so organically, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. <sighs> Man. I I'm really fascinated to know what direction they go in. And like how big of a role the the Jedi have in the sequels they do, because yeah. if I'm Michael Arndt, like I'm just like it's so much better when there aren't a lot of Jedi on screen, you know, like it's just more fun and interesting. Well, I mean, I think they were able to nicely hand wave the fact that CGI technology is so much more advanced for the prequels by saying mm-hmm. it's the it's you know it's the years war. earlier, yeah. it's cleaner, it's a nicer place, all that stuff, but. You got to think that whatever they do in these new movies comes out of the original trilogy where it's still a filthy shithole, you know, the mm. galaxy. Like, you can't suddenly make it like everyone spent all their time, like, shining and polishing the well, universe. That's, that's why it would, like, it's like, do you start on, like, Coruscant in the new movie? Like, doesn't that just seem like the last place you want to go in a new yeah. Star Wars movie is, like, Coruscant yeah. to, like, hold some meetings with some senators or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. Well, you know, maybe a lot less meetings. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'm dying to know what direction they go in. You know, it's like, do they completely throw out the EU? Do they try to, like, kind of make it work by just not mentioning it, you know? Yeah. Well, first thing we need is, is a director. Yeah. I, mean, th- I think that'll calm a lot of our our concerns. It's going to be like fucking, uh, what, Favreau. I don't think it's going to be Matthew Vaughn. I think... That that one seems like it's been like uh like hanging out to dry for too long, you know. Yeah. Um, well, like, and it seems like he's doing that Mark Millar movie next, so I, I don't think maybe it's gonna it, be. Maybe fun. it'll be like Fincher out of nowhere. That's that's still my hope, you know. That's the Hail Mary you're you're yeah. counting on. Fincher's the kind of guy who had storyboarded every shot in the movie beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Fincher. What I like about Fincher though is is it kind of related to Kirshner there. He's got a philosophy behind every shot of his movies. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, like, uh, um, take a movie like Ocean's Eleven, you know, which was the Soderbergh one, which, you know, had lots of, you know, location work. Soderbergh didn't storyboard a single shot of that movie. Mm-hmm. They would show up on set and everyone would sit around and wait while he just kind of talked with the, the DP about what they're going to do that day. Like, Fincher, you know, doesn't get out of bed without, like, storyboards. The plan is dead. Yeah, uh, yeah. You think he'd be a good fit? Didn't he have some kind of ILM background yeah. before the music videos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he used to work for Lucasfilm, so mm. yeah, he he would be my choice if I could choose one of the you know obviously because Brad Bird's already out. Um, yeah. Again, I, Ultimate would be of course Fincher for like Fincher a for Episode Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Fincher oh, wow. doing Episode Eight, written by uh, Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, that would be the ultimate. Yeah, yeah. 
anyway, uh, next week we'll be doing Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. We might be doing it in a slightly different format. We don't know. Yeah, we well, I don't know. We may not do one next week. We'll we'll see. There may be a gap of a week for all you zero listeners out there to wait through, but um, <laughs> we'll see. And if you're not listening to this podcast, what the fuck is wrong with you? Come on, it's Star Wars time. Get get excited. All right. Well, uh, may the force be with you. Always. Oh,